Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. This is Nick, your host today, um, and I'm joined here by Ben and Cody. Uh, we've made it to the middle part of May, a bit of a dog day, a bit of the uh, off-season for football. Um, certainly plenty of things to cover, especially for what is otherwise kind of a slow time of season. Uh, but for the most part on my end, um, being the Yankee of the group, I've really been focused and um, you know paying the most attention to what's going on in the NBA playoffs. Um, out here in the Bay Area, it's definitely Warriors fever. Um, I grew up in Cleveland, so definitely been focused on the Cavaliers run through the playoffs, um, which has been exciting, but you guys don't care about that. So, uh, you know, Cody, what's what's been new with you? Yeah, so my mom listens to the podcast, unbeknownst to me, and I literally had no idea, and I asked, I said, Mom, what's what feedback can you get for me? She said, well, you're the only one in the group that cusses, so um, she says she's been inviting members of her church and at work to join us mm. and listen to the podcast, so um, I guess, you know, happy belated Mother's Day first, but also my commitment to my mom is that I'll quit cussing, at least for one, maybe two episodes, max. Ben, what's up with you, man? Well, on a more wholesome note, um, our Northern California Clemson Club last week actually did a volunteering event out here in San Francisco for a group called Girls on the Run. Uh, it's a group that goes around to the schools and gets a lot of the preteen girls involved in this program where they work on um, really just, um, you know, coming together in camaraderie and um, working on their self-esteem. And so there was a running event and there's a uh, volunteering, we actually went out there and cheered for them on this 5K run that they did, and it was really uh, an exciting thing to do. We had a good time. It was really rewarding. So, you know, it's I think going forward, our Northern Cali- California Clemson Club is going to try to do some more volunteering events, and wherever you guys are at, if you have a local Clemson club, uh, I encourage you to do the same uh, because it's a really good way to connect back with your Clemson alumni, especially for us out here on the West Coast, and just give back to the community. Definitely great advice. Um, I know I, I couldn't run 5K until I was at least 15 years old, so um, impressive for sure. Um, so maybe looking ahead at the po- the podcast um, kind of table of contents or topics we'll touch on today, uh, we'll probably start with um, some news and headlines, just really quick um, touching on what's going on in the, the news sphere related to Clemson sports and college football overall. Uh, we'll, we do have a couple of more meaty topics that we'll get into today. Um, related to what's going on with um, Clemson's, you know, looking ahead at um, Clemson's prospects in upcoming NFL drafts for the next season or two, Um, as well as uh, looking at Clemson's facilities investment upgrades on the football side, and um, also touching on the the hot topic uh, going on right now nationally related to to paying uh, collegiate athletes. Uh, We'll probably wrap up, looks like, by touching on just some quick hit topics, you know, might end up developing into deeper stories at some point. But right now, it just looks like they're, um, you know, potentially blips on the radar. Uh, maybe to kick us off on headlines, um, Cody, on the recruiting front, seem, you seem to be the most tuned in on our side. Um, knowing that, you know, signing day is definitely in the rearview mirror, um, the most kind of, um, the next most important, really, recruiting season we're looking at right now is 2016. Certainly, there's stuff on the horizon for the the next two years after that. Um, but, you know, where do you kind of see us? Where do we stand right now in recruiting? Yeah, so what's going on right now is kind of what happens behind the scenes in recruiting. It's it's a lot of traveling. You know, it's not not a lot that's making headlines. You'll see a few commitments trickle in. But where we are right now from a Clemson standpoint is we're, we have a small class. This, you know, we're only taking a limited amount of players. 
Um, we've, we're already halfway through with commitments. We have like an eight left. So what's going on right now is you're getting coaches flying out to certain areas, like in Florida and Georgia, wherever those recruits are, spending a lot of one-on-one -on -one time, getting a lot of focus on those individual recruits. And then, and then uh, you know, in addition to that, we have Davos Swings football camp coming up in June. And if you don't, again, if you don't follow recruiting, this is huge because the Davos football camp is just a time to get, you know, the best salesmen in college sports in front of these recruits. And really, like, that's where a lot of recruits have come from in the last few years. So it's, it's an exciting time, um, just kind of a little bit more subtle. Great. We'll definitely keep us posted sort of as we do get some progress um, from the recruiting trail. If we do get some noteworthy commits, um, we'll definitely let, let our uh, listeners know. Um, shifting gears a little bit, Clemson baseball, we've touched on them in two to three previous podcasts. Um, played a couple noteworthy games this week. Ben's kind of our resident baseball expert. Um, what's going on in the world of the Tigers? Well, the week didn't get started off so great as we uh, we were down 10 nothing to Furman right there at the beginning of the game early in the week, which, you know, in my opinion, you should never be down 10 nothing to Furman. But really impressive, no matter who you're playing, the guys battled back and, and ended up with a 23-15 win. And to be down by 10 runs... Football score. And yeah, exactly. To be down by 10 runs, again, I don't care who you're playing, and just to have it in you to come back like that, you know, not a pretty one for the baseball team, but, you know, an amazing one nonetheless. And then, so that led us into the, the weekend series here with Florida State. Um, as we record this now, we've played two games with them, and we've actually taken the first two, kind of uh, surprising um, with, you know, as good as Florida State is and the way our season has gone. But one thing that is, has developed over the season is we've had started to have really good starting pitching, especially out of our weekend starters, whereas maybe we've had some trouble in the bullpen. The starting pitching has been great. And uh, Matthew crowned over another great game, uh, winning the first of the series 4-1. to one. And then you know, we win the second game 7 uh, nothing, and uh, Zach Irwin pitching that game. So it's, you know, who knows? I still think that Jack Leggett is definitely on the hot seat. And I still think he has to win the ACC tournament and make a run, or at least get into the NCAA tournament uh, to save his job. But you know, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm pulling for the team to win. I'm not pulling for them for them to lose just so we can change coaches. So absolutely. Uh, let's see what they do in the third game today, and uh, hopefully they win the series, sweep it. Yeah, great to see signs of life in any case. Um, one other noteworthy headline, looks like um, Clemson picked up yet another transfer this week, um, Marquise Reed transferring from Robert Morris, who the Tigers actually also played this year. Uh, it would be great to go back and review that game and kind of understand um, what Brad Brownell saw in him. Uh, but, you know, at some point we definitely will um, touch on kind of the flurry of activity going on on the basketball side, maybe some changes coming up in the NCAA. Um, stay tuned for kind of a more basketball-related uh, bit of content from us. Um, and yeah, just real quick to, yeah. to, to touch on Marquise Reed coming in, you know, a six, three guard, he's going to have to sit out a year, but you know, he, he was, I think freshman of the year in his conference. Um, he had a great game against us earlier in the season. And so Brownell's kind of been pulling in some of these transfers and I think it's, uh, you know, it's exciting for the program. I know they're gonna have to sit out a year, but I mean, these are guys who are going to be able to come in and fill gaps in the program. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, again, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but if you look at the last, I think, three national championships in college basketball, um, there, there are a lot of like very dynamic guards. We're talking about this year: Tyus Jones and Quinn Cook, Connecticut Shabazz Napier and Ryan Boatwright, and the year before that, um, 
I think it was uh, the Louisville with Peyton Siva and, and Russ Smith. So the fact that we're adding these guards, very dynamic guards, I think it bodes well. You know, obviously you don't have a complete team, but I, I think it's exciting for Clemson. I don't, I'm not saying this is going to put us into a Final Four, but it's, it's a good step. Absolutely. Um, so touching on headlines there, um, certainly, you know, baseball, we'll see how the season progresses. Basketball, again, we'll, we'll uh, take a closer look at that as the summer moves along. Um, but, you know, the reason most folks came we can get into football a bit. Um, really quickly, I, I think we've touched on the NFL draft and kind of how this year's draft class fared. Um, we had a couple, you know, right now it's kind of a lull as well in the NFL side. Um, there's sort of um, optional team activities happening right now. Um, I think the, the headlines have been dominated by this Tom Brady deflate gate story. Um, and you do have some contracts being signed by draftees um, and some various undrafted free agents getting pulled in. But uh, guys, I want to focus a little bit on looking ahead to this next year, our next draft class, who Clemson might be able to put into the draft. Um, 2015's draft, we put two guys into the first round. Really impressive showing for us. Um, and, you know, Ben, maybe flipping it over to you, like, who do you think Clemson might be able to put into the first round in the 2016 draft? Well, I think probably coming out, if Mike Williams has a really good year and really um, progresses on, on what he did last year. I think he has a huge shot just with his, his size and his ability and, and what we've seen from him. I think he has a really good shot at being a first-round draft pick. You know, again, that all really all depends on how the offense performs and runs. Um, it depends on what our quarterback situation is. I think, obviously, Deshaun Watson stays healthy and is our quarterback all year long that Mike Wolf Williams is really going to, you know, he's going to be featured in this offense. He's going to put up some big numbers. And that, you know, he's one of the guys I, I really think that has an opportunity to be a first-round draft pick next year. It's, it's hard. hard. It's, it's, hard. Oh. it's hard to imagine Mike Williams is not being a first-round draft pick with the, uh, Deshaun Watson being healthy all year and throwing, into, throwing to him all year. And you heard a lot of the criticism of him last year was that he was inconsistent, which kind of blew my mind because he was never really necessarily inconsistent. The person throwing to him was inconsistent. And that could go back to Cole Stout being injured, whatever the case. So, Cody, if, you're, if you are an yeah. NFL scout, and let's say you, you do have a need at receiver, um, Cleveland Browns, a team that I grew up following, definitely they have a hole there. If you're a Cleveland Browns coach, what are, what are your concerns of you know, drafting Mike Williams maybe with, let's say, a top 15 pick next year? Really? I mean, I, I can't see how Mike Williams would not be a first-round pick. So I don't really have any concerns. I mean, I guess like his, from a measurable standpoint, he might not be a freak athlete as in like the mold of say like a, obviously a Calvin Johnson maybe not quite as much as a, as a Des Bryant but man the guy has all the tools he's got physically just in size I mean long arms 6'5 I think he has what it takes to be like a very like a number one receiver in the NFL and receivers and defensive backs are, are at a premium right now so going back you know, our next person on the list would probably be Mackenzie Alexander so I mean what do you think Ben? Uh, well yeah I I think him, obviously, you know, I don't, you know, personally, until this year, really follow the NFL draft all that closely, so I don't know about defensive backs going really early on in the, in the first round, uh, but, you know, this kid's been playing since a freshman, and he isn't on an island out there by himself. You're going to see a lot, probably not a lot of guys throw his way this year, so from a performance uh, standpoint, from what we see, uh, you know, how featured is he going to be? How much are we going to see from him other than that? Probably the best thing you can say about a defensive back is, you know, their name never gets called. But that's something that NFL coaches will see in, in, in film and general managers and scouts. 
when when they're looking at a player. So he may not get a lot of action because they're not throwing his way, but they may look at the tape, look at the film, and see why they're not throwing his way, and see the, the ability he has. And it may just be good enough to, to nab him a first-round spot. So I, I think a lot hinges, maybe hinges too, on how the rest of our secondary performs, because if, if they're a weak spot in general, I don't know if he'll take a hit from that or not. Um, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, it's it's interesting you talk about the way that the the media or like ESPN could like could completely forget about him, and just because he might be like he might not have an interception again this year, just because he's shutting down the field, they're not throwing to him. But you know who won't miss out, and we saw this this year in the draft from you know, Stephon Anthony, who was undervalued. Maybe Vic Beasley to some extent was undervalued. Professional scouts will not will not miss out on McKenzie Alexander. They they can watch film. They have great resources. They have a lot of time. And they're more knowledgeable than any guy at ESPN, so I don't think I don't worry about like a lack of, you know, publicity or ESPN coverage that like hinder his his uh, the chance for him to be a number one draft pick. Yeah, this year there are actually four cornerbacks uh, or defensive backs taken in the first round. The first one was Trey Wayne's taken by the Vikings at pick number eleven. Um, certainly, you're seeing the comple- the complexion of defenses across the league shifting more toward you know if you do have shutdown corners that tends to, you can kind of get coverage sacks going on with your defensive lines. Um, so definitely that position has increased in importance. Um, so hopefully that, you know, can increase McKenzie Alexander's draft stock. Um, but in terms of what sort of skill sets or additional experience you guys like to see him develop this season, um, other than, you know, potentially anchoring that defense from a leadership standpoint, what do you guys think he needs to develop to maybe make that leap into the first round or, or to be able to make really an, an impact in the NFL? Well, Ben touched on it earlier. It's not going to be not going to be as much present or um, as much pressure up front. I don't think. I would love to see to have the same type of pass rush that we had last year. I doubt you'll see that. So it's going to be a chance for him to really showcase his ability. Right. I think there's, he's going to have a chance to really shut down some wide receivers. He's going to be on that island, but, man, I mean, he's going to have a chance to really uh, – to really showcase what he has, and if, if he's not as good as we thought he was, um, simply because you know we had such a great pass rush last year, then we'll quickly find out. But I think he is, in the in the words of Herman Edwards, I think he is who we thought he was. So um, I I don't I don't I see him progressing even more and becoming an even better player. Dennis Green. That was Dennis Green. I'm sorry. No worries. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of the same thing, right? So uh, outside of those two, any other guys we we see? First, first round grade. Well, uh, yeah, let me ask you this. Let me look back to another junior, and I know this may get a chuckle at first, but uh, Jordan Leggett. Let's, what if he performs up to his potential? I mean, we know he has the, the, the physique, the build, and the athletic ability to really excel. What if he comes into his own this year and really lives up to the expectations? Maybe even not a first round pick. Do we even see him leaving early if if he really shows what he can do and really has a high-performing season. I mean, I think he has the tools to. I don't. I wouldn't put him high on my list. I mean, I don't know what kind of premium you know a tight end at this point has. I mean, just in terms of the value that you know for, to be a first-round pick. Well, and I'm not saying he's this, but you can look at the NFL and see how, in certain cases, how tight ends contribute to an offense. I mean, look at Rob Gronkowski. And I'm not saying he's Rob Gronkowski, but he was the. Patriots' best offensive weapon last year, so I don't think it's out of the question if you have a guy that comes along for the right the right team to be the right fit. Well, let's put it like this: if Jordan Leggett has a year where we're talking about him getting drafted in like a top three rounds, then I'm happy with that because 
that's very far off from where he's been. However, you know, it's not it's not uh, out of the question to consider that he has the talent to be that you know first, second, or even third round draft pick. Um, I think the guy that's more likely to be drafted like as a first round talent is Isaiah Battle. He's our left tackle. Um, I don't nec- I don't. He's always had some issues with like character, making the right decisions. He's been in the dog Dallas doghouse, as they say. But he definitely has the talent. He has the size to be like your prototypical left tackle. And I would I wouldn't necessarily call him a first round pick. I, I think he's definitely the one going to get drafted. I would look for him to move him like maybe at the top two rounds at this point. Well, I mean, the guy's six seven, listed as six seven, two ninety, and so clearly he has you know the physical build to be a really great offensive lineman. And let's—he's a senior. Let's see how he develops this year. I know he's maybe been in Dabo's doghouse before, but Dabo isn't exactly the most lenient guy, so you do have to do some work to get out of that doghouse with him. So maybe he's turned the corner, um, and you know, let's see what he can do this year. Um, yeah, no, that's another guy that I was thinking too. You know, some guys I think have a clear path. It's really first—the first round draft pick is theirs to lose. Um, but then there's this other group of guys that, with some work, you know, they could really come out of nowhere and surprise some people. Yeah, like your, your new Copkins or your Stephon Anthony's. Exactly. Martavis Bryant, even. Yeah, even um, the guys that don't get drafted high, they still have the, the tools to make it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Great. Well, obviously, we'll stay tuned. It'll be great to see um, 2015 and our previous year draft, draft picks continue to um, make a name for themselves in the NFL on these rosters. And um, hopefully, these other names we mentioned or even some new surprises will emerge this year um, at the top of everybody's draft boards. Uh, real quick, before we continue on, we want to uh, give a moment for a word from one of our sponsors. So our newest sponsor, we're very excited. You've heard of FarmersOnly.com. Well, Clemson Podcast is proud to announce our newest sponsor, PiratesOnly.com, the leading dating site for single pirates and other alternative seabound lifestyles. Searching for a companion to sell the high seas in search of booty and endless treasure? Who isn't? Tired of other dating sites that that cater to meat-eating, car-driving, two-hand-having land lovers? Well, look no more. Pirates Only has a unique matching system that will help you find your special pirate soulmate. Pirates Only have already matched six pirate couples since they launched in 2009 with an 80% success rate and only a 25% fatality rate. That's pretty good odds. And they're confident they can find the right pirate for you. It's pirates only. Land folk just don't get it. So yeah, in, in, feel free to send us an email, clumsypodcast at gmail.com if you, you want to you know, sponsor the Clumsy Podcast. We're always open to that. Um, getting back into our topics, though, um, big, big uh, new, news, big headlines in Clemson is the $63 million investment into the facilities and into football. We should say it's football facilities. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of, it's an arms race, as they say in college football, keeping up with the Florida States, the Ohio States. Um, essentially what's happened is, you know, we, we built what Dabo has called a village. It's, it's basically to keep the players there to build, build and cultivate the right type of culture and the right type of, it's part of that family atmosphere. But really what this is, is like this, think of this like movie theater versus like meets an arcade meets like this bowling alley of like super mall. There might even be a roller coaster or laser tag. Um, within this facility for these players to, to you know, spend their time, which is good and, and on some level where they build that unity as a team. Um, and it, might be, it might seem a little frivolous, but, um, but, it, but it's good. And then from a recruiting standpoint, 
it's just what you got to do to keep up with the, the top level schools. And I'm glad, even though it's a lot of money, it's a huge investment, you've got to make that investment to stay in that probably top 15, top 10 category where I think Clemson is bound to stay now that this is this investment's been made. Yeah, and I think it'd be great to put those numbers into context. Um, but I think the concept of, of an arms race is, is apt. Yeah, it's example. And we'd, we'd be hypocrites to, yeah, we may be... You can call it frivolous, but I think as Clemson football fans, we'd be hypocrites to uh, challenge the idea of putting as much money in the facilities and then still expecting the same product on the field that we expect. I think this is just the nature of college football right now. Um, and, you know, I mean, let's talk about facilities. you got the indoor practice fields. you have the new uh, football operations facility. Uh, the West End Zone facility, uh, when I was... Uh, early on when I was at Clemson, the West End Zone project hadn't started yet and it still had the, the basic West End Zone stands. And then during my time here, they, they constructed the West End Zone and I was fortunate enough to be able to go on a tour of it, uh, go into the locker room where they had the big uh, paste-up board uh, image of Charlie Whitehurst and his iconic uh, first down gesture against that game. Uh, I think it was like 19-16 game against uh, South Carolina back in the mid-2000s. And... It, yeah, it was really just a great space. So to see to see us build off of that, and you know, keep expanding and, and really, I mean, let's talk about this. This kind of started with Tommy Bowden. Uh, it's not just a Dabo thing. I mean, I think one of Tommy Bowden's greatest legacies here is he got the the facilities upgrade, you know, kind of buzz going here, and, and that's we have him to thank in large part for that. Um, and a lot of that probably goes to the legitimacy he also brought to our program, getting us back into the 9-10 win season. And the big wins. He, he did as, as, as many times as we lost to Wake Forest and Maryland Duke. or Duke. Like, and those were painful. Um, we got the wins against Florida State. We got a big win against Tennessee in the Peach Bowl. Um, he brought big wins to the program. But what we're seeing now is, is we built off of that. We're keeping going with the facilities. And now we have a coach who still gets those big wins, and we don't lose the teams we're not supposed to. And we win some BCS Bowls or yeah. equivalents. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I think facilities is making a big impact in recruiting. I think it's just the, you know, it's, it's, it's the landscape of college football right now, and there's a level we have to lift up to if we expect to continue on. So clearly agreed, and the, the West End Zone was truly, I think, for, for the fans on game day, um, I would call it, it you know, it, it is somewhat cosmetic of, a, of an update or an upgrade to Clemson's overall football atmosphere. Uh, this $63 million, do you think on game day or, you know, walking by the stadium, are we going to feel that impact as a fan base? Or is this truly kind of a nuts and bolts infrastructure of the football program? Part of it is, I mean, you're talking about $63 million, it's not for, like, the next five years. This is, like, for the next 30 years to really – orient your team in a positive direction. Um, a lot of things are going to be changing over the next 10, 15 years. You're talking about paying players. I think there's going to be a large separation between the haves and the have-nots. And I think this is so pro progressive, or in Davos' part, it's showing a lot of foresight to keep up with these high-level schools because, frankly, things are about to change. I, I don't know the timeline, probably 10 years, 5, 10 years, maybe 15 where if you're not in that upper echelon of you know, top, really 15, top 30 teams, then I think you're going to be left behind. So this is important, 
if, if you care about Clemson football and you care about us, us winning and being successful, or not again, not just for the next five years, but really the next 30. So ultimately, this is sort of a capital investment. It hasn't necessarily been allocated out to projects or specific upgrades, but it's more we're earmarking these dollars to remain competitive as a program. Yeah, and, and competitive at the highest levels. I mean, it's, sure. it's, it's going to help with recruiting. We just saw one of our first top five classes since, I guess, 2009. And it's, it's, it's great to have those classes mixed in every five, ten years. This is going to allow us to have top five, top ten recruiting classes every year, I think. Yeah, on a consistent basis. And that's, that's kind of the mark of championship teams is the consistency is year in, year out. You can, you can keep bringing these guys in and reloading. And I think the facilities absolutely are going to help in, in that aspect. I mean, the campus is beautiful enough as it is. And then you see the football facilities, and I think you asked the question, is, is for fans, is that something that we're going to be able to relate to and see? Yeah, I mean, I think when you're parked in that lot, the you know, game day tailgate inside the baseball stadium, then you're going to have the football operations center out there. You already see the indoor practice facility. You know, where 10 years ago, that was just, you know, flat, you know, land of practice fields. and Metal bleachers uh, and a glowing pot. Yeah, exactly. So, um yeah, I think for fans, uh, it's it's great for us, too, because we can actually, you know, you're donating to MTA and some of the money's coming from there. Like, you actually get to see these things get built, and, I mean, they're they're around you. They're part of the atmosphere when you're out there on game day, and then, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't know any facts about this, but how much money actually gets uh, built into the uh, the athletics educational programs that we see, like, with Vickery uh, Hall and, and stuff like that? Is any money allocated for that as all? Well? at all in what you read? I mean, how, I guess, how does the sports revenue for the athletes get transitioned over to academic purposes? You imagine it's not zero, right? I mean, yeah. There has to be a carry-on effect there. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. It's it's all, you can probably find it online. Um, I think the important thing is what it does whenever you can brand. There's no better way of marketing your school than through football, at least in America, because that's our number one sport. And that's what it does. I, I would love, I don't have statistics on admissions, but Whenever you're you're succeeding on a high level and you're playing these um, highly rated televised games on national television, the BCS polls, you're, you're branding your school, and then all of a sudden admissions goes up, uh, donations from alumni go up, and that's that's what it's all about, and it's all driven by football. So that's that's kind of the tie-in. And I, I, we've discussed this potentially not even on the on the podcast, but one of the effects of that has to do also with um, sponsorships by companies like Nike, companies like Under Armour where they definitely look at things like not only percentage of alumni that donate and what levels, but, you know, active living alumni. It's definitely a very important metric that they go by. And, um, you know, the more, I I think this is all just like cumulative in in the college game um, of a program. Yeah, and I'll I'll add this tidbit in, and this is something I learned when I was able to to tour the West End Zone, speaking of facilities upgrades, is... Uh, the West End Zone stands were constructed. You know, we see the Oculus going in now. That's kind of the second phase everybody's excited about. But the, the West End Zone stands were actually constructed to accept another tier, another level of stands. And I think it was one of Jim Barker's plans when he was president here that if Clemson won the national championship, an allotment of that money was going to go in to add another level of stands on the West End Zone. So it's kind of our crowning achievement, right? Like something to look forward to, and hopefully one day, you know, we get those West End Zone stands built up. And there was even talk and plans about something in the East End Zone over the hill. We're never taking away the hill, obviously. That's sacrilege. Nobody would ever do that, but it's exciting. I mean, I remember seeing old pictures of Death Valley. It was just the lower stands, and just to see where it's come from there and where it could go. 
Well, yeah, Ben, first things first, we need to get these players a bowling alley because, I mean, what are they going to do in between you know, studying and, and the weight room if they're not bowling or watching like a movie? Uh, and there's another good point. Keeps them out of trouble. I mean, there's not a lot of trouble to get into in Clemson. You're not in, a, in Columbia, let's say. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to, it is about the camaraderie of the, the players and the team and you know, having a place for them to go, you know, off hours. So. Yeah, I was being facetious, but you're right. It does. Yeah. It keeps them focused, and it keeps, again, it keeps yeah. that unity there, and they're building up, like, a brotherhood. And that's hopefully will translate a little bit to on-the-field results, and, and you'll see that reflected there. So, guys, let's maybe keep it with the players here for a moment. Big topic nationally, um, really in the news for the past couple of years, has been paying players. Um, right now, you know, verboten basically to pay professional athletes. They're, uh, I'm sorry, pay them as professional athletes. Student athletes is the NCAA's um, verbiage for, for, our, for our athletes on the football team. And um, really that's a topic that, um, you know, a lot of hot takes swirling around. Um, a lot of actually really well-informed opinions on both sides of the debate as well. Um, spent some time recently, certainly John Oliver um, of Last Week Tonight on HBO had a recent piece featuring our own Dabo Sweeney um, you know, kind of a snarky take on the whole matter, but definitely made some really good points. Um, and despite being really teed up for controversy and comedy, you know, made some good good arguments. I'd like to say that aside, I think Soybean Win was absolutely hilarious. It's my personal opinion. Definitely. Hashtag Soybean Win. Um, Jay Billis, you know, an ESPN personality, um, has definitely taken the stance of this should be really a free market issue. Um, you know, pay players basically what they're worth. The economics will work themselves out. Um, they do in every other aspect of our economy and of collegiate athletics. So why not pay these players? Um, for me, I think certainly zero is probably not the right amount. But I, I do have questions about, you know, what, what really is that right amount in order to really keep in place a couple of things. Number one, maintaining a balance. I think in sports like football and basketball on the pro level, um, things like salary caps have really improved uh, what they call parity or really maintaining a competitive balance that multiple teams will have the opportunity to compete um, year, year after year for a title. I think in college, we tend to have these haves and have-nots, where if you do enter into this kind of really open, free market, if you will, um, programs that are much bigger, that might have 65,000 enrollees, like Texas, like Ohio State, um, certainly the big schools um, from a funding standpoint, like USC, um, Notre Dame, et cetera, um, much deeper pockets than Clemson could ever dream of. So will we go from an opportunity right now that we have to compete for the playoff really every year if the stars align to something where we become kind of this second class tier um, in a, in a pay-your-player scenario? So how, and again, it's not just about protecting the Clemsons of the world, but really how can we compete in that future scenario is, is the question for me. I, well, what you're saying is very true. It's something we have to, if we ever went to a free market system where essentially it's like a minor league for college teams, I mean, we would have to think, consider what, what that would mean for Clemson. Yeah, you're right. But, it, I mean, what, you know, how we end up, you know, once that's all said and done and, and going back to whether it's right or wrong or two different things. Sure. Absolutely. Because you're, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And you know, we look at Clemson and let's, let's go ahead and say we're never going to get to the end of this because... It's very, uh, it's very layered. There's a lot of different elements to it. The thing that I would like to shed some light on is it's not just about having a free market for players at this point. I think one of the very like solvable problems, and it just blows my mind, 
It doesn't matter if you agree with paying players or not, or even give them a small stipend, or whatever the case is, why can't players profit off of their own likeness? It goes back to these, these rules and these, the, the, the thing of amateurism, this antiquated concept that you have to buy by this 1940s concept, really this idea that you know, college players shouldn't be able to profit off their own likeness because you're an amateur. And really the only good line of logic, or I wouldn't even call this logic, but the only good reasoning behind that is that's the way it's always been. And that's, my friend, if that is your, like, your backing for not allow players to profit off their own likeness. And what I mean by that like, is why shouldn't Deshaun Watson be able to go to a, uh, you know, to a kid's birthday party in Clemson whose dad's willing to pay him you know, $1,000 to show up and sign some footballs? He should be able to do that. Maybe get maybe gives a cut or what, whatever back to the NCAA. I don't even care if they get you know if they tax him for that. But he deserves to be able to profit off of that. He deserves to be able to do a subway commercial if he wants. Um, do, do, open up different line, uh, streams of revenue for him. And I don't know, like Ben, I can see over there. You're just like you're, you disagree. What like what is your logic other than oh like doom and gloom? What 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 this could mean for me or like. That's the way it's always been, which in my mind has never been a good way to, you know, prove a point or make an argument. Ben, what's, what, what are your thoughts? It's, well, now it's just getting all too political for me. I mean, this is college athletics, and there is there still is an academic part of this, and I don't think we need to bring a bunch of distractions in to these college students who a very small percentage of them actually go into professional sports to make money, and now we're talking about subway commercials? Come on. I mean, this is not something college kids to be doing. And so I think what we start with is we start moving some of this, uh, these big-name corporations. I mean, sponsorships can still be there, but EA Sports using their likeness uh, in video games. Maybe just cut that out. I mean, college sports will make enough money on its own. And I don't know if the NCAA is being greedy. I'm fine with schools getting money as long as the schools put that money back into the athletic programs and back into academic programs. What about... Schools maybe living up to their commitment to that player and student athlete as well. Yeah, well, I mean, they, I mean, they're doing several things. They are providing them with an opportunity for an education. And if we scoff at that idea, they, they still have an opportunity for an education. And if it's just kind of a, a, a laughing stock and a joke, like with the University of North Carolina and their paper classes, that oh yeah, education quotation marks. Well, that's an institutional issue, and that's on the college itself. They should be doing a better job. And I'm really proud to say at Clemson University that we have a great academic program for college athletes, and we have kids who stay in school when they could go to the NFL to get their degree. And we're drawing in kids where academics is a, a big issue. So I, I, you know, I think it's a, it's, at a certain level it's an institutional broad problem, and then the people that are in charge aren't doing a great job. But I don't think it should come to a, down to a point where – we're letting kids, uh, you know, do commercials and stuff like that. And it's just such a too, fraction of, and it's, it's, of but, players right. anyway. But then, it's, but then it's unfair to the other people. And how much of a distraction can that be in their lives and the people around them, their lives? It, it's still college at the end of the day. Now, I will say this. I do uh, absolutely agree to a certain extent um, when it comes to the idea of uh, the workman's comp. Like, what if these guys get injured and cutting their scholarship first, I'm pretty sure, I think, that Clemson keeps the guys on scholarship. Um, but I do fully believe in and support some type of way to support these kids if they do get injured because they do get injured in the name of, of the university. Right, and I feel like the NCAA could actually 
implement something that is basically like a shadow scholarship. It doesn't necessarily um, heart, you know, impede the team against against your scholarship. And it doesn't quota. Kick them, it doesn't exactly. kick them out of school if they right. get injured. And I mean, because that is the commit. You do make a commitment to these kids. Um, so that's that's one point. The other point is is they, you know, these college athletes do put in so much extra time in their academic studies uh, to the sport they play. And they don't have enough time to have a regular part-time job like a bunch of other college students. And I totally agree, at a certain level, there should be some stipend for these students that don't have the opportunity to go out and make money on their own. But at the same time, we're talking bringing in revenue for them from video games and jersey sales. I mean, jersey sales, I think every school should just have one number on the back of their jersey for every jersey that they sell. Maybe it should relate to how many national championships you have. That case, South Carolina would be zero. You know, ours hopefully in a couple years are going to be two. So you know, we'll see. But I think there's ways around this. And I, but I don't think it comes back down to, to just giving monetary sums to these people based on their performance and worth because it's not just football. It's a, it's across every sport. And and one other thing that I'll point out, going back to the academic issue, it's it's easy to kind of talk around the academic issue. But what I will say is that these athletes get the best training uh, for their uh, anticipated career that they can get at the level they're at. They're given that for free. So they're giving an academic scholarship and they're given the best coaching in the world at the level they're at to prepare them for their next job. Just like I got a great architecture education. Now, the school makes a very mon you know, small amount off of me. I'm also going to have the potential to make a lot less than a lot of these athletes. But it's the training itself that they get to prepare them to make millions of dollars. So they do get something. Yeah, Ben, but you're, you're I think you're a little bit, you're, you're right, you hit on a lot of good points. There's a lot of value in a scholarship, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're definitely seeing this through a certain lens. Of, you, know, you have to understand where these players are coming from. And, and every scholarship is not created equally, every degree is not created equally, and the way that you go about pursuing your degree, the network, the friends that you make, are not equal. It's like you're talking about at the end of the day, what the scholarship is worth is what it's worth in, in, in a dollar value. But it's which the, it might be thirty grand, might be fifty grand. But that what Deshaun Watson and, and he's on the high level. I get it. Not every player, in this case, is created equally. But what do they bring into the university? And it's millions. We're investing sixty-three million dollars in facilities. The, the TV revenue, which keeps going up and up, it's just become a cash cow. Is is creating millions and millions of dollars. And I'm not saying it doesn't have to be, you know, you're on one, fence of the, one side of the fence or the other, or you know, black or white. But these, these players should get some type of, like there should be some system in place for them to be, you know, no, well, make some money. Well, I think they should absolutely be taken care of while they're there because, again, they don't have the time to have part-time jobs. But, but it, it is proportional. Listen, I, you know, my degree and what I do in my career will benefit the Clemson University in some small portion. I'll, the, you know, the better education I got, the more successful I'll be, the more I'll be able to get back to university. Yeah, that'll be very small and fraction on the amount that a, that a star athlete will get back to university. But that star athlete also got trained to go to a job where he makes a ton more money than I do. So it's proportional. I mean, the, You're saying it's, not just, it's not just the, the academic scholarship, it's, it's the on-the-job training. They get two different things. They get educational opportunities and the on-the-job training, 
for the career they're going to that is going to make them millions of dollars. And then if that doesn't work out, they should have taken advantage of the academic opportunities. The college has an has a, a, a obligation to to give them quality education. It's something to fall back on if that doesn't come to if their their goals as professional athletes don't come to fruition. Because again, let's face it, a very small fractional amount of them do. Even the greatest college that's players. A, that's such a stupid argument because, and the reason is because yeah, maybe only two of them go to the NFL, but how much of them? provide value, millions and millions of dollars of value. It's much more than, than 2%. So it's not about whether or not they're equipped to make it in the or not. It's what type of value do they bring during that four or five years there at Clemson. But it's only a few guys that really bring the value. You think it's the whole team? You think it's the, third, the, the, the second string long snapper? If you want to get really like granular here, yeah, you're talking about a guy like Josh Watson, for, for example, who may, you know, he was our defensive tackle. He just signed to a free agent bill. He brought more than what his scholarship and what the training that he got, even though it's hard to assign a, a, a monetary value or a dollar, dollar value to you know, the, the things that he got. What he gave the, the university in terms of putting, uh, making Clemson successful as a team, the work that he put in, putting butts in the seats, the ticket revenue, was worth more than the 50 grand, we'll say another 50 grand. Hundred, he, what he gave was worth more than we'll say hundred thousand. This is very arbitrary. Absolutely, no, I totally. So yeah, even though he might not make it to the NFL, he might not be part of that two percent or one point seven. Doesn't that that's that number's irrelevant? I think it's a stupid statistic. Um, but see, I don't. It's got a little bit of relevance, but I, for the most part, it's not but about. He has the opportunity now to get paid for that. Did he have that opportunity to get paid for that before he enrolled in Clemson and played for the football team? Coming out of high school, do you think he would have just gone to the NFL and had the opportunity to make that amount of money? It's about no, supply yeah. and demand. It's called a capitalist. That's what our country is. And yeah, there, if he if he can't do it at Clemson, he'll go to the next school. I, and that's how that's how our country works. There's nothing more American than supply and demand now, and that, capitalism, right? Now that we've gotten into economics, uh, we'll put a pin on it for this week. Um, definitely a topic that's going to be raging on, um, you know, in the news. Um, definitely the the podcast to sphere, if you will, um, for the foreseeable future. But um, totally, give your closing thoughts. Who who won? If we if like in this mini debate, who would have won? Uh, the players did not win. So, uh, <laughs> so good big, arguments so on both sides. Good good sorry, argument. Sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. <laughs> good argument on both sides. Um, thank you for that, fellas. So, got a few more minutes here. I want to touch on some quick takes or quick hit takes, as we call them. Um, this week, we earlier actually a week ago, a week and a half ago, um, Deshaun Watson um, was quoted as basically saying, "Not on his watch will Clemson lose to South Carolina." Um, South Carolina a recruit, inbound freshman Ulrich Jones um, didn't take too kindly to those words. It's a transfer from uh, Baker College, actually, in the uh, junior college in Kansas. Got it. Uh, ben, what did Ulrich Jones have to say? Well, it, you know, he was responding to Deshaun Watson's comments and essentially saying, you know, I can't wait to see him uh, next year in williams Bryce because I'm going to make sure he knows my name and, you know, I'm going to get a sack on him. And, and my, my quick take on that is, uh, well, or Jones, uh, how many sacks did you have for Baker College, Community College last year? Uh, what's that? Is it goose egg? Zero? Okay. Next topic, please. Uh, Cody, what, what, what are your thoughts? No, I'm, I have no comment. That's, I mean, he just hit it on the head. You think it's a non-issue? Just, just shut your mouth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all, that's nice. All it. it was a great occasion to get some friendly smack talk going between the fan bases. That's yeah. At the very it, least. it made for one interesting week in May, and then uh, we'll move on from it. Cool. Next, next up, um, Every Golson, basically uh, Notre Dame star quarterback the last couple seasons. 
um, has graduated and has put in for a transfer. Um, he has a short list of schools he's considering. So, guys, is this news? Do we care? It's only news if he goes to Florida State because I will say Florida State and us are, are really close this year. If, if he goes to Florida State, then it could give them a, not, not necessarily edge over Clemson, but it could make them a little bit better at And their skill players are, are darn good. Um, that could give them the chance to beat us. I, that worries me. That's the only thing. I mean, I, I think it's our advantage if he goes to Florida State. He's a turnover machine. I mean, that's all. I mean, I expect him to be a good for a few interceptions and a, a fumble. So, yeah, bring him on, whatever. Cool. We'll keep track. Um, clearly, uh, Zaire will be starting for Notre Dame, so we'll, we'll take a look at him in our upcoming season preview. Uh, we'll see where every Golson lands and um, touch on that at that point. Maybe sticking with Florida State here, uh, Bobby Bowden former uh, basically Hall of Fame, um, all-time um, you know, winning coach in that program's history, came out kind of disparaging Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston this week, calling him an embarrassment to the program. Guys, uh, where was he on this during the season? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think, well, just like a true uh, seminal, like, you know, after the fact, too little, too late. I mean, at this point, you know, of course, we all know he's an embarrassment. You know, stand up and if you want to make a difference, stand up and say that during the season. Um, you know, I pass this off as, you know, he's just trying to have his voice heard again. So it just sounds like a, yeah, kind of a salty old man that got kicked out. I mean, he would, yeah, he got, he's probably a little sour on Florida State. He should have said it during the season if it meant that much. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much of a take there. And maybe our last topic, um, Yankee schools setting up satellite camps, um, throughout the South. ACC came out this week, basically calling out in its bylaws, um, that their schools will never, you know, set up shop in other regions, adhering to their recruiting practices um, from their home base versus needing to set up kind of, uh, you know, they call them satellite camps, but basically other hubs of operation. What do you guys think? Well, told you came from Ohio into Clemson. There's a reason you came. It's because there's not much, there's not much to eat up there. So they got to come down here. There's, it's just a lot better place. They're coming down to the south. Um, frankly, I don't, I don't care. That they do this, I think it's kind of stupid to be upset. It's it's the it's the nature of the beast, and uh, we just built a sixty or we're building now a sixty three million dollar facility, full of arcade games, roller coasters, and laser tag. So I, hopefully that will fend off some of those uh, those northern or those Yankee uh, insurgents. <laughs> what do you call? Them? Yeah, I, I think we just have to explain to them what it's like to go through a winter in the north, and that'll deter a lot of them. I mean, listen, you know, we have no need to go up north and set up a satellite camp, so I understand the ACC's and the SEC's stance on this. Um, I really think it's a non-issue right now. We'll see what happens. I, I, I think, in reality, this is another, you know, way in which the NCAA fails. It's like, why aren't the rules the same across the board, right? Like, what is the purpose of the NCAA? I mean, when it, when it really me, comes down to it, it's not going to sink everybody. For me right now, it's, it's a number of things. It's posturing on both sides. I think they should be entitled to do what they're going to do until they're not allowed to do that. Secondly, I do want to argue, you know, against your point, Cody. I do feel like Clemson should potentially be looking up north for talent. Um, certainly when we uh, want to staff uh, or, you know, fill up the ranks in certain position groups, um, you know, how would you like to have some of the Wisconsin corn fed boys on our O line or a JJ Watt type? I mean, we certainly could have used it the last few years or the last probably ten years. Hey, we grew up on the south. It's just a, it's an element or uh, it's the the aspect of resources. How do you want to allocate those? Sure. And it just makes the most sense to be in Georgia and Florida and South Carolina. However, we have like cherry picked a few. 
we've done a good job in identifying those few select recruits. Yeah, we've done it from here. From well, not from here physically, but from Clemson, right? Yeah. yeah. You can't you can't like go through like New Jersey and you know New York and like spend like a whole week there. You're going up there for one player. Whereas you go to Florida, you can do like a tour and, and meet like probably dozens of five star, four star type caliber players. You just can't do that in Connecticut. I'd rather be able to set up uh, basketball satellite camps in New York. Maybe there's a trade off there. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Good point. Let's get Brown Allen the horn. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for today, everybody. Thank you again for tuning in. Um, we're looking forward to in upcoming weeks. Uh, we touched on earlier, we'll probably do a basketball deep dive. I think there's enough going on there um, as we get into maybe some of the slower-paced uh, summer weeks coming up. Uh, we also will be inviting some of our first guests onto the podcast, um, interview style, and also kind of collaborative look at some of these other topics. Uh, definitely as news comes up on the recruiting trail, we will keep you all posted. And uh, other than that, go Tigers baseball. And you guys got anything else? Just piratesonly.com. Enter promo code Paul and get a 30-day free trial. Piratesonly.com. Get your sea legs. Thanks, y'all. Go Tigers.